Happy Monday, everybody. This is Tell the Story Right. I'm Dallas Cowan. I'm sure all you guys know me because that's who's listening to this right now or people that probably know who I am because I'm saying, hey, I just started a podcast. So, welcome. Um, Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Uh, Today, we're going to be interviewing Richard Doe. He is a friend of mine. Um, Just great guy. Sorry that he's a Suns fan, but yes, he's a Suns fan. Um, but yeah, he he uh, works with mentors. He's got a, a organization um, that he helps run, and so we're going to interview him on mentorship and how that plays out into the ecosystem of uh, of service, and um, talk about some myths, uh, talk about what he's passionate about, uh, but also some insights into what's going on in our city regarding some of our youth. So I'm super excited about it. Awesome dude. So let's get started. Hey, Dallas. Hey, it worked. So I guess we can just start. Cool. All right. So I am here right now with Richard Doe. He is the president or what's your title? <laughs> I yeah, I wish president. No, I'm the uh, chapter director for the Phoenix chapter of Teach One to Lead One. That's awesome. Okay, chapter director. Okay, so local. Um, how many how many schools are you over? What how many chapters do you have here? Well, there's only one chapter in Phoenix, so we're actually we're headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and then we have chapters kind of all around the country and overseas. Okay. So kind of like right. in the nonprofit world, it's kind of like a franchise. Got it. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So background to people who don't know who Richard is. Um, he's a friend of mine. Um, we went to church together. Just an awesome dude. And one thing that I'm really um, excited to talk to him about is about the kind of the, the area of mentorship especially when it comes to serving our youth. Um, there's a lot of different mentors out there. There's a lot of different um, people that want to be mentors. And what I love about Richard and his organization is they are super consistent in what they do. Um, but I'm going to have Richard, if you want to just give like just a little bit of context around who you are, what you do and why it's important. Yeah, absolutely. So I've actually been involved with this organization for about eight years. Uh, The first four years, I volunteered as a mentor. And um, long story short, I just fell in love with what we were doing, the kids we were working with, and the results we were seeing to the point where um, I was in Washington State at the time, but I'm from from here in Phoenix. And uh, I fell in love with it to the point where I I said, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to spend my time doing. And so four years ago, my wife and daughter and I packed up, left a very stable job in Washington and came back to Phoenix and started from scratch. So we, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times people, they have a heart for mentoring because, um, you know, maybe they had a really good mentor in their life or in our case, we work with mainly at risk kids. And so you get a lot of people who are like, I was at risk growing up. And so I want to give back that was not the case for me. You know, I was lucky enough to be born in a, in a home with a very stable home life and parents who were very present and loving mm-hmm. and a real positive worldview. And, uh, and, and, and not just that, but I was surrounded with a whole bunch of other adults who cared about me, who are good role models. 
And um, it, when I work with the kids that we work with, with Teach from the Lead One, you know, these kids are lucky to have one one person in their life who mm-hmm. uh, believes in them and give, steers them the right way and directs them the right way. Now, going back to kind of your personal life a little bit, um, just so people understand who you are, did you have like one person that you could say like, oh, looking back on it now that you've kind of gone to the mentorship process, one person you're like, oh yeah, that guy, I could see him as a mentor or is it kind of split between different people? Oh, it's, it's multiple people. I mean, I had so many coaches, there's teachers who cared about me, my friends, parents, you know, even, even now as an adult, there are still people who I look to as mentors, uh, Mm -hmm. people who are in a, in a similar life stage that I just look up to. And then there's people who are older and then there's people who are like my grandparents age that Mm -hmm. I love to get together because they just have so much life wisdom to share, you know? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So what are some things, um, you know, going back to, you know, teach one to lead one, the organization you're with, what, what, why is it important? What do you, what do you see about it that you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. There's a book called why Johnny can't tell right from wrong. It's, it's written by a guy named William Kilpatrick. Okay. And, uh, in his book, he writes that in the 1940s, the worst offenses we saw in public schools meaning kids getting in trouble, Uh, they were running through the halls, uh, getting out of line, chewing gum, being too loud, and then missing the wastebasket. And if (laughs) if you fast forward forward to today, you know, the worst offenses we see in our schools, you have drug and alcohol abuse, you have depression and suicide, rape, teen pregnancy, aggravated assault, bullying. So uh, in these last 70 years, Obviously, there's things happening that have that we're we're missing it, and and it's starting yeah. to affect our kids, and uh, which in um, in return has a huge effect on our community, on our city, and on our world. And I think we're starting to to finally see that. I mean, I feel like there's something tragic happening each week: a shooting, a suicide that's mm-hmm. popping up on the news. Um, you know, crime rates are increasing, and I, it's just our schools right now are a mess. And you know, in Arizona, that we are one of the worst of the 50 states. So my heart for mentoring and the importance, I think, um, for mentoring starts with that, like we're in a crisis with our young people. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not something that a bandaid can fix. It's not something yeah. that focusing on test scores, you know, raising test scores, that's not going to help. And mm-hmm. uh, liking and sharing things on social media is nice, but that's not going to fix <laughs> yeah. the problem. You know, it's not, a, not at all. Yeah. It's a deeper thing that, uh, as adults, we kind of have to step up and, and really take it on. Now, now go, I want you to, you said something that I want you to kind of dive a little bit deeper into. You said a crisis in Arizona. Mm. What are you seeing on your front? Um, because in you know, my world, kind of the foster care world, I can say there's a crisis in Arizona. You're saying there's a crisis in Arizona as well, mm. and we could probably be saying two different things. Yeah. So what 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 are you seeing as you, when you say a crisis in Arizona? What are you seeing? What what's your kind of like your experience with that? Yeah. Well, I I think of it on two fronts. So there's one on the school side. Um, you know, our public schools are just a mess. They're underfunded. Uh, there's just so much. There's there's a lot of politics going on with it. There's um, I think I read an article a couple of weeks ago that there's already been f- over 500 teachers that have quit this year. 
Wow. And we're like, you know, three or four months and into you, the school year. And you work with and you work with kids that are not only I mean, you probably work with you're working with kids in Scottsdale and with, you know, Central Phoenix. Yep. Like yep. You're not just you're not just you're not just working in the, you know, people can't just say, Oh, they're underfunded in the Levine, right. Central Phoenix right. area. You you're you're you have got a very broad We're view all over of all, oh, yeah. all the school system. So you're and able he, to see a lot. Absolutely. And you know what's interesting about that? I'm glad you brought that up. Every community has kids who are at risk. They just look different. So yeah. you know, it's gonna be pretty obvious in Central and South Phoenix why they're at risk, but and that's usually what people think of when they hear the term at risk. But in, in North North Phoenix, Scottsdale, you know, there's kids who uh their parent you know, it's a it's a broken home, their parents aren't together, their moms mm-hmm. work in two jobs to make ends meet, and the dad just kind of throws money at the at the kids mm-hmm. and make them yeah. like them or whatever. And 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 result these kids have anything they want, but they're neglected and they still feel yep. empty. So actually depression and suicide is really high um, up in North Scottsdale. So Desert Mountain High School is like one of the highest suicide rates in the state. Wow. Uh, yeah, to the point where one of the counselors told us they expect there to be at least one suicide each year. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I see that too. I think, yeah, it's a great point to bring up is just the, the different ways um, kids that are neglected. I mean, I think from a you know foster care standpoint, you see it from an economic standpoint, yeah. but, but it's just money. I mean, it's just being the economics where, Hey, if, you know, these kids would be neglected in, in other places uh, be in foster care, but they live in North Phoenix right. and they have money being thrown at them, but they're emotionally neglected right. um, by uh, the broken homes. Um, you know, a lot of the same, um, I guess effects or kind of the symptoms of everything, but it's just played out differently. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. What, what do you see? So you Scottsdale, you see a lot of depression and, um, and those kids, um, how do they, you know, kids in North Scottsdale, how, how, what's the conversation taking place there when you're a mentor, mm. um, different than being in like, you know, central Phoenix? Yeah. Um, good question. Well, one on a practical side, because we're we're teaching basic character and leadership principles, things like respect, integrity, courage, you know, self-control. And so the application of that when they're talking about their home life is a lot different than the kids in Central Phoenix. So you might have if we're talking about habits and what's a bad habit, they might say fighting with their siblings when their younger brother steals their iPad or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, whereas in Central Phoenix, it, it's it's going to be something different. These kids are um, stealing so that they can eat, you know, something like that. It's just it looks a lot different, um, but it's still the same character um, uh-huh. inside that they have to deal with. So the conversation the context looks a little different, but it's kind of the, these principles we teach, they're true for anyone, anywhere, anytime. And uh, it doesn't matter where you're at, if, what, how old you are, what you look like, or what stage of life you're in. Uh, these things are true for you and for me and for, you know, 10-year-old mm-hmm. Bobby and 17-year-old awesome. C- uh, Cindy. So, Yeah, awesome. So what, what's a good – now, if I were to be a mentor, if I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I want to be in those kids, I want to be with them, like how do you prep? What are the some of like – what are like two really good points for somebody who is a mentor or like wants to be a mentor like that you would tell them? Yeah. The first thing is you got to be real. 
uh, kids have just this unreal filter for when people are being fake. And oh, their BS meters are up high. <laughs> yeah, totally. They can tell. They can tell if they just you just want something from them. Right. Right. They see through that. And so the first thing is you just have to be real and be yourself. And that's and they're not looking for you know someone to be cool or impress them. Like they what they need in life is real, authentic relationships. So that's the first thing they're looking for. The second thing um I would say, you know, kids these days don't need information. They can they they can look up and learn anything they want. They've heard a, a ton of information. What they really need is the applied uh, and the applied knowledge. So mm-hmm. they know what these what these principles are. They've heard about respect before. They've heard about compassion. They know what it is. They need help on what that looks like to apply yep. it to their life. And they can be examples to them. Yep, exactly. You model it with how you live, but yep. but you also make it real practical for them. And uh, <laughs> that takes some. There's some. Uh, there's some art to guiding those conversations yep. and and learning about their life, but that's what they really need help in is you bringing up real life examples, and then challenging them to it and holding them accountable to it. And I think that when they live it out, they actually like it. Absolutely, I, I see that all the time with with our girls. Um, just to be able to show them what respect looks like, yeah. show them what grace looks like, and a second chance is to say, "I'm going to give you a second chance right now." And they go, oh, I've never even had one of those before. Right. <laughs> or or that, uh, you know, you deserve this, but well, you're not going to get that right now. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. I never, I've never gotten that before. Like modeling it, you know, to them to show them what it is has been huge for us and in helping um, them. I would have to add to this and maybe you might disagree with me on this, but um, I would have to add what I would tell somebody is like, don't come in with a savior mentality. Mm. that that don't come in and be like they're gonna love me Mm -hmm. because i'm spending my time and effort and energy to help them right now um (laughs) i think that's the best way to get burnt out Mm -hmm. i've seen that with our mentors or people who want to say they're mentors is they have all this emotional energy all ready to go but as soon as the person the kid rejects them or doesn't do what they say or whatever it is or becomes hard um that's when they're like hey i'm done with this yeah. Um, yeah. I'm with you on that. I I think kids, at least what the kids we work with, we find that uh, there's usually some sort of wall they put up at mm-hmm. first and it takes us a few weeks to, to for that to come down. But at some point they realize, you know what, one, this person's not my parent. They're not my teacher. They're not paid to be here. Um, they're not forced to be here. So they must want to be here. And I think that goes a long way. And two, I think they finally just give into the fact that, okay, these people are going to keep coming back each week. Yep. And, um, yep. and so we, you know, but you're right. Like they, they, they're used to pushing people's buttons and getting a reaction yep. out of it and almost kind of like, I'm going to push you away so that you can't hundred percent. You can't reject me. You know, if I push you away, then it's not like your choice. It's I'm doing it. I'm in control here. Absolutely. And so, they, yeah. they, the control part of it, cause they can't control a lot of parts of their life. Right. And so they're going to control their relationships. And I think the other side too, is where you have sometimes the mentorship where it's like, Oh my gosh, I love you. I want to be your best friend. And you're like, I'm really breaking through with them, but they're just so starved of relationship Yeah, that they're, they're just going to attach to whoever they have. Yeah. Um, 
so you have kind of like the both sides of it. Um, what would you say are, if you were to say a couple myths about mentorship or what you do on a daily basis, what would you say are some things that people kind of maybe look at it and go, Oh, I think it's this way, but it actually is not. Um, part of why I asked this is, um, so what's, what's something that you see? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is kind of what we talked about already. Like every community has kids who are at risk and it just looks different. And so Got um, awesome. people, people who live in well-to-do areas, sometimes everything looks so nice. There's new buildings, there's new cars that you forget that there's actually, there's actually some like darkness in your city, in your community. Yeah. So I would say that's the first the first myth, there's people in your neighborhood that need help. Um, and sometimes we just, we get blind to it, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Another myth. Let's see. I, I, I think that, uh, the obvious myth that I'm sure people hear a lot, but you don't have to be cool. You don't have to be young. You don't have to be, you don't have to, you don't have to understand everything about today's youth and like technology and everything. Yep. Um, these kids just want someone in their life who cares about them. Absolutely. I, what, what I say to, and I, to piggyback off of that, what I say when people say like, well, what do I do work with foster kids? I said, positive adult interaction mm -hmm. is the best thing for them. Absolutely. It Absolutely. doesn't, you don't have to, yeah, as you said, the latest trends or anything like that. I just say, just show up and be kind. Yeah. Because a lot of times these girls or these guys have never had a kind male influence in their life. Right. And, right. and the more they can have that, the more it's going to help them. Yeah. Um, so and I, I would and, absolutely say that. And I think, I think people, adults will be surprised at how much they actually learn in return working with these yeah. kids, you know? So uh, it's, it's not a one way, one way street. And all of our mentors that come back, that's the, that's one of the first things they say is, you know, we're helping these kids, but Holy cow, am I growing and learning from it as well? Uh, all right. So what do you need? If you were to tell people, what do you need? What would be the things? Yeah. There's three things that make us go as a nonprofit. Um, one, obviously access to kids. So with teach from the lead one, we partner with, uh, public schools, charter schools. We partner with behavioral treatment centers and other parts of the country. We partner with juvenile court systems. We haven't done that here yet in Phoenix, but that's kind of cool because kids get in trouble and they get sentenced to teach one to lead one. Um, <laughs> so awesome. yeah, kind of fun. So that that's the first thing. So we're always trying to meet new, um, you know, educators, administrators, decision makers in the schools that will give us a chance to come in and work partner with them. Um, so access to kids is one. Um, and then the other two are never ending as well. So we're always recruiting mentors. So, uh, you know, all of our mentors are volunteers. It's about an hour a week commitment, uh, for a semester or a whole school year, depending on what school you're at. But because of that, we're always, we're always networking and trying to meet people who want a mentor, um, trying to meet with pastors and churches and other, um, you know, nonprofits that have the same vision that we can work together to help these kids. And then obviously the third one with a nonprofit is uh, resources that makes us go. Uh, there's stuff we give to the kids, journals, there's curriculum, there's some overhead costs. And so we're always wanting to um, network with the community, local businesses, charitable organizations, individuals 
um, people who will sponsor a kid for 35 bucks a month or, or wow. sponsor a, a whole school for, you know, 500 a month or whatever it is. Uh, what I love about this is it's all community based. And so um, people from the community are pouring back into the community. And that has a huge effect, not only in the, in the present time, but five, 10 years down the road. Um, not just with, with um, character development, but it actually has an economic impact as we see truancy Absolutely. drop and the graduation rate go up, the crime rate comes down, there's, you know, less incarceration, all that kind of stuff. So, Awesome. No, that's, well, you are doing amazing work. I love everything you guys do. I think mentorship is such an important thing, especially this school mentorship and consistency. Um, and it's just, it's, yeah, it's just such an important thing. We, we, I think this is, I like to talk a lot about like prevention. Prevention's a huge thing. Yep. And, and I think this prevents so many things down the road. Absolutely. Even quantify, mm-hmm. but, but it's, it's he, heating it off at the, at the past. It's just doing all these amazing things. So you don't have kids in foster care. You don't have drug use or you don't have suicides. Or you don't have these things. You can never say, Oh, we just prevented eight suicides in the last year. Yeah. You can't say that because you have no idea, but that's what mentorship yeah. is. And that's why I'm a huge fan of you and what you do. Um, and everything so yeah, thank you. well thank you thank <laughs> you for doing this um of this first interview um this is awesome um and um i'm sure we will do this again soon because to update of what's going on with teach one to lead one absolutely um, anytime so okay this is richard doe with teach one to lead one um also i'm sorry about the sons in the last couple of years oh so, well, that's well, I, this was going. That's this was going so well and so positive. I'm sorry. Like, why would you bring? Yes. That, so, sorry, I meant to bring that up at the beginning, but then I'll bring yeah. it up at the end. So, all right, guys. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, and um, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Dallas. All right. Bye. Bye.